836. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So much stuff. couple quick notes. 9 o'clock. During the 9 o'clock hour, we will be giving a pair of tickets to see away a pair of tickets to see Roger Waters of Pink Floyd fame. He's coming to the BMO Harris Bradley Center on July 29th. So check that out again sometime. Sometime during the 9 o'clock hour, you'll have a chance to win. We will be giving away uh, tickets to that show today, tomorrow, and then for most, if not all, of next week. So check that out. In addition, WTMJ.com. couple things. First of all, when you go to the website, you can. Uh, I invite you to go check out our WTMJ mobile page. Um, we have down, you, know, it's, you can download the podcast of this show. We podcast each show in its entirety. Um, also, we do it the same for Sports Central and then a number of other, perhaps different voices. Uh, we've got one on craft beer and um, a couple sports ones. You know, check that out. And I know a lot of people have, and I certainly appreciate that. In addition, when you're on the website, we've got links to some of the things we're going to be talking about, including if you go to the Jeff Wagner show page, we have I have a link to a story that has I hate the phrase gone viral because it's such a cliche, but it has gone viral. If you were watching any of the news shows today, you might have seen pictures of mass protests slash demonstrations slash some um, some violence in L.A. after a situation involving an off-duty Los Angeles police officer and a 13-year-old. During the 9 o'clock hour, we are going to discuss that story. But I will describe what happens in the video. It's another one of these deals where there's a cell phone video. Um, if you are Internet active and if you're interested uh, one picture is worth a thousand words. So if you go to the Jeff Wagner show page, uh, we've got it posted. Video shows off-duty LAPD cop pull gun on teen. That's where our headline says. Actually, the, the, the truth is a little bit more complicated than that. But anyhow, this is being portrayed as the latest example of police brutality and police violence towards the community. We we're going to discuss it. But if you want to see the video... It's up there on the Jeff Wagner Show page. You can check it out in advance of that. Like I say, we're going to be discussing this um, during the 9 o'clock hour of the show. In the 10 o'clock hour, oh, the dealer's choice topic today, the most talkable topic of the day, the right to go topless. You don't want to miss that. And this is Thursday. That means at 1130 we have our um, pop culture corner. The Oscars is coming up. Um, it's going to be movie-related. It's going to be all good. So a lot of great things. We start off this show like we start off every show with a segment I call Three Big Things, things that I, I think you need to know about so that you can discuss at work, discuss you know, in your gym, just things to, to talk about. Um, and sometimes it's really heavy. Sometimes it's political. Sometimes it's social. Today, big thing number one is it's, it's a cultural story, I think, is how I would describe it. You are probably familiar with the TV show, The Walking Dead. It is extremely popular. Typically, when it's in its first run, uh, when they're showing first run's episode, episodes, it is the number one rated cable TV show. It, it airs on, on AMC. Now, I have to confess, I am not 
I'm not really a fan of The Walking Dead. The premise behind The Walking Dead is there's this virus that has infected the world, and everybody turns into zombies. And so the show, and I'm, a little bit of zombie stuff goes a long way with me, but the, the premise of the show focuses on a, a band of survivors as they try to make their way in a world that is populated by zombies. And and I understand that the zombies, in some respects, are a metaphor. On the one hand, you can watch the show, I am told, and it's, okay, if you just like zombie movies or zombie shows, that's it. But there's also a metaphor about you know people trying to find their way in the world and stuff like that. I've just, I've never gotten into it, but I recognize that a lot of people, a lot of people do. So I, I kind of stay abreast of this. Well, anyhow, um, for the last year or so, one of the big villains um, in the the show is a character played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and the character comes from the comic books. His, his name is Negan, and he is he's not a zombie, but he has he's like a charismatic leader that is kind of a dictator over a, a group of human survivors, which is probably more than you need to know if you're not a fan of the thing. But one of the ways that he keeps order is he has a big baseball bat um, that's wrapped in barbed wire. I think they, they, he calls the bat Lucille, all right? And what he will do is if somebody, in order to, if, he, if somebody needs to be disciplined or whatever, he will bash the person with the baseball bat. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, at the, I think it was the beginning of last season, they had a number of the characters, or the end of the the end of last season before this season. This was like the cliffhanger. They had a number of the quote unquote heroes, and they were all kind of lined up. And this this the character Negan was walking down with the baseball bat, and so the big thing was who was he going to kill? Right. That so that that's the issue. Well, in in the scene, the way it was portrayed, what he would do is he would go in trying to decide who he was going to kill. He would use the bat, he would point at people, and he'd say, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." Right. Now, can I see a show of hands? How many people have used the phrase, eeny, meeny, miny, mo"? Oh, Hondo, Hondo, who's producing the show today, puts his hand up. Right. I mean, you know, common thing, you perhaps play it with your kids, you play it with your grandkids, you play it with neighbors' kids if you're babysitting, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Right. So that, that's what that's what this character does. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, goes back and forth, and then he lands on one of the characters, and then he bashes him with a baseball bat. So that's, that is the scene in The Walking Dead. A company, international company, puts it's called uh, Premark puts out, and they're licensed to put out Walking Dead material, they put out a Walking Dead t-shirt. And the t-shirt, I'm looking at a copy of it now, has a picture of the bat with the barbed wire wrapped around it. And it also says, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." It is a reference to this incident and the character and the TV show. It's a Walking Dead TV show, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo, and the bat with the barbed wire is superimposed over it. And they put it out, and it starts to sell. You are no longer able to buy this particular T-shirt because the T-shirt has now been pulled after some people saw it and accused the company and the TV show of being fantastically offensive. Um... The clothing manufacturer, under pressure, 
has now removed this T-shirt after complaints that it was, wait for it, racist and offensive. Not because it highlights violence, not because it comes out of this comic book slash cartoonish TV show, but because the phrase eeny, meeny, miny, mo" in the words of some of these people, was fantastically offensive because, at least in the minds of some, this image relates directly to the practice of assaulting black people in America. It is directly threatening, I'm now quoting, of a racist assault. And if somebody who was African-American or was black was faced by somebody wearing this T-shirt, they should fear for their life. And, of course, this goes back to the history of eeny, meeny, miny, mo, where I guess years and years and years ago, there were some people who might have said eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and instead of catch a tiger by the toe, used an offensive slur term. So because that happened whenever, and because that might have happened whenever, 30, 40, 50 years ago, now anytime you see the term eeny, meeny, miny, mo, especially in this context, that is racist and it needs to stop. 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Okay, big thing number one. Have we really reached the point where eeny, meeny, miny, mo, in this context or in any context, needs to be banned as racist and offensive and threatening to persons of color? And if you have done this, if you have used this, if you have played this little sorting game with your kids, with your grandkids, with your niece, your nephew, whatever, Are you racist, and should you apologize? Or is perhaps this political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 846. 849, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Person I was going to take first just dropped off. Waited all of about four minutes. Deb, call back. We'll put you to the top of the list. Matt in Caledonia. Matt, good morning. You're at 620 WTMJ. Hey, good morning, Jeff. How are you doing today? I am well, thank you. Okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, a common sorting rhyme that goes back, I don't know, till certainly earlier than when I was a kid. Is it inherently racist? Because there was a racist version decades ago. Well, I see two sides to this. One, uh, when we were kids, we played kick the can, bloody murder, all that stuff. And yes, we used the N-word instead of the tiger. But that's just how we were. And, uh, you know, the thing is, nowadays... These people are just looking to be offended, and they're offended by anything. Well, right. I mean, I, I guess, see, there, it seems to me there, there's all sorts of, of versions of, of rhymes or songs or, or jokes or whatever that you could tell that if you told them in a particular fashion might have a, a, a racist overtone or might, you know, but... But does that automatically assume, then, that everybody who plays eeny, meeny, miny, mo is a racist? And does that automatically assume that every person of color who hears somebody playing eeny, meeny, miny, mo or might do it themselves is inherently a racist? No, and, and not only that, you know, another one just popped into my head, and you'll remember this, too. We, we said, uh, not last night, but the night before. And was it robbers knocking at my door or someone oh. else? Yeah, don't, don't, don't I, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Rem- I don't remember that one. But but again, oh, yeah. but I mean, I'm sure there. I mean, I, I think. I mean, historically, there are probably these different types of terms. But you know, in context, 
especially in, in this context with The Walking Dead, there, there's no suggestion of any sort of racial impropriety or racial meaning. But it, it's more like this assumption that anybody, if you use the phrase eeny, meeny, miny, mo," and you, you play that sorting game and you use that rhyme, that somebody is going to assume that that is inherently racist. Okay, Deb in Pewaukee, you're back. Deb, good morning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. Um, yeah, like the caller before, I when I was a little girl, we used to do that, and we used the N-word. Right. And it it's wrong, you know. I don't think I heard Catch the Tiger by the Toad till I was probably a little bit older, you okay. know. But, okay, um, but so my question would be, though, so when, when you were a little girl, you, you used that, that, the, the, the N-word in context with that. Yeah. All right, now it's 2017. Does that mean that, that, any, that we, we can't use that, we can't play that rhyming game anymore because decades ago, you know, maybe people put the N-word in there. Does, can we not play any mini miny mo anymore? Well, I guess, um, I guess the thing that I, I know, I'm thinking about is even when I hear that nowadays, I mean, I automatically think of the N word. And and in this day and age, I don't think we need that. And um, I don't know. It's oh. like a horse apiece. But oh, okay, well, thanks for calling. I mean, I get okay, horse apiece. All right. It, I mean, so th- this is the fundamental question. So moms and dads, grandmas, grandpas out there, if you. Let's talk about this bigger issue. If can we no longer do eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Because again, decades ago, instead of using the word tiger, some people might have put the N word in decades ago. So that now makes that inherently racist. So you can't say eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You can't play that sorting game. You can't, you know, have a T-shirt that says eeny, meeny, miny, mo because that automatically means if you come across a person of color, they are going to feel that you are being racist and offensive. And if it's a Walking Dead T-shirt that has that saying with the baseball bat, that means that you want to beat them over the head with it. Really? I mean, really? 414-799-1620, That's the Accident Mortgage toll-free talk line. Uh, Jay in Cedarburg. Jay, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How you doing today? Okay. Is this political correctness run amok? <laughs> I, you know what? I completely agree with you 100. percent Like you said before, political correctness run amok. Um, if a person were to think that you were inherently a racist bigot looking to enact violence against them, against them because of you know, like like you said, the Walking Dead T-shirt they might be wearing, that's a little insane. Um, yes. To the point of paranoia. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's insane. And just to give you an example here of this political correctness run amok, and I definitely think this is related, um, I had a woman spit in my face one time for opening a door for her, and then she then proceeded to call me a misogynist pig. Because <laughs> um, you, you, you were, see, yeah, I, okay, see, I'd be in the same situation you're in, Jay, because I, I, was, I was raised, um, in certain respects, probably by my mom, to gentlemen open doors for ladies and stuff. Well, not, not just ladies, for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only 27 years old, so growing up, I never heard the eeny, meeny, miny, moe with the N-word, and, it, and I grew up in the South, all right? right. I always heard it the normal way, and right. I still use it to this day. Well, well sure, I, I mean, I, right, I mean, th- look, and I guess I, I mean... 
I, am, am I familiar that that was was it? Yeah, but I mean, not certainly not for for decades. For goodness sake, we continue the conversation in two minutes. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo is now inherently racist. Eight fifty five. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Eight fifty eight. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Chris in West Dallas. Chris, good morning. Hi, how you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, which is a common children's rhyme. Um, it, it's now, it, it's racist. Uh, you can't put it on a T-shirt, I guess. Anybody that says it is a racist, do you buy that? Uh, I, I do not buy that anybody who uses it is racist. Uh, obviously, uh, somebody who is aware of that dark side of it, I guess, could be considered it, but um I don't believe there's many people out there who uses it in that context or whatever, because me being a 22-year-old black man, I've never heard that until today on the radio. Okay. So, so, I mean, when you play any, if you sit down with your, you know, with your niece or nephew or whatever, and you play any, meeny, miny, mo, it's, it doesn't occur to you that there's any sort of racist connotation to it at all, huh? None at all, because like I said, I, I've never heard the N-word ever even put in there. Until today, on the yeah. no. on the radio, I heard it. Yeah, th- thanks for calling. No, again, and it's it's just. I mean, I, look, I I mean, to me, this is sort of like okay. You say, all right, some somebody said something. They used to do something, and maybe this in certain parts of the country or whatever. Maybe this was a term that was thrown around in the nineteen forties or nineteen fifties or nineteen sixties. But it's two thousand seventeen now. For goodness sakes, here's what drives me crazy about all this: there is real racism in the world. I get it. When you find real racism, you need to denounce it. You need to deal with it. But my goodness, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you can't have that T-shirt. It's racism. Give me a break. All right. Right after the news, Milwaukee County does it again. Stick around. It's 859. It's 909, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Sometime between now and 10 o'clock, we will be giving away a pair of tickets to see Roger Waters of Pink Floyd fame at the BMO Harris Bradley Center on July 29th. Uh, WTMJ.com. Check out the Jeff Wagner show page. I've got a link to a story that is making all the headlines. It's these demonstrations that erupted in Los Angeles yesterday after an incident between an off-duty police officer and a 13-year-old. I've got... The link I have has the story. It also has the video. We will be talking about it, if not in the 9 o'clock hour, certainly in the 10 o'clock hour. Um, and if you want to see the video, it, it's worth it's worth watching. It's about seven or eight minutes long because if you actually watch the video, you might come to a different conclusion than if you just heard the story. But I've got it up there um, at WTMJ.com, the Jeff Wagner Show page. Video shows off-duty LAPD cop pull gun on team. Also, Something I'm doing tonight. I am very, very excited about that. This is the 15th consecutive year. The 15th consecutive year I have done this, and I always look forward to it. Out in Waukesha, the Potawatomi Area Council, which is like Waukesha um, Area Boy Scouts, they have a big dinner. 
every year about this time. It recognizes all the, the adult volunteers in scouting, but it also recognizes all the young men who got Eagle Scouts over the cor- who, who earned Eagle Scout awards over the course of the last year. And you know, typically four or five hundred people. We pack the Country Springs um, Hotel Ballroom. Uh, that event is tonight, and it has been my honor and privilege, and I say that sincerely, to be the MC. Now, this will be the fifteenth consecutive year, um, and it's. One of the reasons I, I like it is, first of all, I, I, I give a shout-out to all the volunteers who, who make scouting work. But also, what we do is, is every young man who's earned his Eagle Scout award, now, a lot of them are off at college, so not everybody's there. But, you know, all the, the young men who are there, they get recognized, and they come up on the stage, and they, they say their name, and I talk a little bit about their background, and then we... We end up so, and then they stand behind the stage, and you have this. It's this incredible backdrop. I look around, and there's all these young men who've accomplished these things. And if you do what I do for a living, where you unfortunately talk about a lot of the bad stuff that goes on in the world, I find the entire experience to be life affirming, and I look forward to this every year. And it's it's tonight, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out in Waukesha. All right, we're right in the middle of our section three big things. Big thing number two. Now, this story broke. Journal Sentinel broke it yesterday when I was on the air, and I I mentioned it. But there's an aspect of the story that I want to discuss with you. The Clown Car Act that is the Milwaukee County, this Milwaukee County government, continues to roll on. Um, We all know about the Milwaukee County pension scandal. The former county executive, Tom Amitt, the late Tom Amitt, together with a bunch of his cronies and with the blessing of members of the county board, signed off on this this pension plan, this modification that was supposed to be revenue neutral. And what it resulted in is county employees being able to retire with substantial pensions and also collect huge cash payments. Uh, Latest couple examples were guys who were in the DA's office who, you know, spent their entire career working in the DA's office who left with a pension about like, I don't know, 70, 80 grand a year. Okay, that's fine. But also walked away with lump sum payments in excess of a million dollars. It's absolutely nuts. And I don't fault the employees for doing this. Uh, If somebody came in and gave me a box of money, I'm not going to say no, but I fault the politicians who, for whatever reasons, whether it was incompetence or veniality or whatever, decided that we were going to to do this. But this pension scandal and these huge pension payments have put the the system behind the eight ball um, from, from the beginning. And it doesn't get any better. Yesterday it was announced that the uh, woman who um, runs the county retirement plan resigned. And she was, she was essentially fired. She was forced out. What happened allegedly was back in 2014, an auditor finds out that there's a, a, a pensioner, retiree, who is receiving too much money. There's been an error in the calculation as to the way the pension payment is going to be paid out. So um, this comes up on a review, and apparently in 2014, it had been going on for about a year. So they go to the woman who is the retirement plan services director, and they say, so-and-so is getting too much money. We're, We're paying her too much. There's something wrong. Now, in any real world situation, if you run an HR department or you run payroll and you find out that, hey, we're, we're making a mistake with somebody's money, we're paying them too much, what happens? Well, the day you find out about that, 
you you shut down the improper payments and you adjust it you correct it right you at least at the very least you stop paying them the improper amount then you come to the next question about well what do we do how do we get this money back if it was our mistake but but that's you know that's down the road you stop making the payments well despite being notified apparently in in spring of 2014 that this pensioner the person had been getting too much money the the county pension system doesn't stop with the incorrect payments and it goes on for another couple years and one of the same auditors goes back i guess two years later and says you know we told you back in 2014 that we were paying this person too much money and we're still paying the person too much money well it now turns out that this one person receiving the pension has gotten a hundred and forty thousand dollars more than they were supposed to get not because they did anything wrong as far as i can tell the person who was getting the money didn't know that the, the pension had been improperly calculated didn't know that they were getting too much money but the county knew it at least you know people who were responsible for making these payments knew it and did nothing to shut off the payments so now the woman who runs the um runs the retirement plan she she's been she's resigned been fired whatever she she's on her way out but that that's a fine but now the question becomes of course now there's some legislators saying you know we don't have this problem you know with, with other things it, it seems to me that the Milwaukee County pension system that that's the one that's more screwed up so maybe we need the state retirement system to take over so that's one of the issues that's being looked at but the other issue that's out there is what do you do what do you do about this $140,000 that has been improperly paid to somebody over the course of the last three or four years? They've gotten 140 grand that they're not entitled to, but it wasn't like they defrauded the pension system. It wasn't like they did anything wrong. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Big thing number two, what should the county do? In this case, with the person, the retiree, who's gotten $140,000 that they didn't deserve, should you demand that they pay it back all at once? Should you say, all right, in addition to reducing your pension payments to what they were supposed to be, we're now going to deduct X amount of money every month to try to make up the difference? Should you say we're going to shut off your pension payments until we get the 140000 bucks back? Or should you say, well, okay, this, this was our mistake, and we continue to let this mistake go for a long time, so we're just going to eat it? Now, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but most people, if through no fault of your own, all of a sudden you were told, hey, you, you've been overpaid $140,000, we need to pay it back, most people are going to have a lot of trouble trying to come up with that dough. So what should Milwaukee County do? Do you recover the money? Do you try to recover the money? Do you just eat it? And again, I am assuming for the sake of this discussion that the retiree was not part of this at all. Didn't know that they weren't getting, that they were getting more money that they were entitled to. Just simply, hey, this is the money I'm getting from the pension system. I assume it's correct. What should happen? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 918. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. What's the right thing to do here? Stick around. 
921, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Legendary musician, musician Roger Waters is bringing all the hits of Pink Floyd to Milwaukee. He'll be at the BMO Harris Bradley Center on July 29th, and you could be there on us. Tune in to my show all this week during the 9 o'clock hour and all next week during the 9 o'clock hour for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Let's start with Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, good morning. What do you do with this woman who's been overpaid $140,000? Well... Uh, I speak from personal experience, Jeff. It happened to me. Okay. I got my first Social Security check of darn near 40000 and my employer, about six months later, come back and said, uh, you owe us 36000 because they said I was double-dipping. Well, I did not know Social Security was going to go retroactive. Okay. So I just told him, I said, okay, take it out of my pension check. Okay, is that what they did? Yes, they did. It took about 10 years, but <laughs> it was paid off. Okay. Um, and even though you didn't make the mistake, this was a mistake that was made, you know, somewhere down the line, you thought it, it, you did not, you didn't object to having your, your pension then reduced to pay this whole thing off? No, okay. none, none whatsoever. Right, because, again, you knew the money didn't belong to you. Once, I didn't know that, Jeff. I did but, not know that. No, but you knew once they told you. You knew that you'd been overpaid. You didn't disagree with that. No. Got it. Okay, thanks. I call 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Reggie in Milwaukee. Reggie, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. What should happen here? Should the county just forget this, or should they try to get the dough back? And, and how do they do that? No, I think they should get the money, like the last caller. I think they should get the money over time, make it as comfortable as possible for this woman right. who who was overpaid. But surely, I know my pension. When I was ready to retire, I knew more or less the ballpark of my pension. Right. This woman was overpaid about $3,800 over a three-year period every month. Yeah. Surely she knew she was being overpaid. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if I was in that situation, if I'd bring it to anybody's attention, but... You know, she was overpaid over three thousand dollars every month for three years. So you think you think the employee almost had to know, or yeah. at least suspect something was wrong, huh? Of course. Hmm. Um, because that, again, because you just because if if this were a social security payment as opposed to a pension payment, would you necessarily think the same thing? That she should pay it back? No, no, no. That that you would have to know that it was too much. Sure. Okay. I, I know. I know that I get a statement. I used to get a statement from the Social Security every year, right? And said, if you were to retire at this age, this is what your payment would be. At that age, it would be something else, right? And so, if all of a sudden I started claiming Social Security and it came in at four grand more every right. month, <laughs> right? Then yeah. I thought I would know. Yeah. Now, I guess in that. See, I'm trying to think about that. I'm. Um, I'm actually because my. Mm, because of my, my late wife, and she was uh, just a variety of circumstances, I could actually start claiming stuff through her next year. Now, I'm not going to do it because it just it would all disappear with the income and stuff like that. But I, I, the only reason I know how much money that would be is because you get this statement. And, I, I mean, I have no idea of calculating the amount. I rely on, you know, Social Security says this is the amount it would be. If they made a mistake, I wouldn't know. But I, I do concede that from a pension perspective, I know, for example, the, the only pension I get is when we were journal broadcast years and years ago, they used to have a pension, and, and I, I know, and I get that statement every year saying, if you're retired at 65, this is how much money you're going to get. And I was only in the pension program a couple of years, so 
It's not a very big number. But yes, if I do concede that if all of a sudden I was getting 5,000 instead of 500, I would know. Let's talk to Dan in Oxford. Dan, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. It's Ken. Ken. Uh, I, I'm wondering whether or not the lady that was told to stop, why aren't they making her pay it back? <laughs> I, I mean, it, the lady was getting the money. She took for granted that that lady knew what she was doing. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, why, why are they going after everybody but the person that made the mistake? Well, I mean, told she was making a mistake. Well, yeah, she was told her right after the first year. I mean, thank, I mean, that, that, that's. I think that's the reason why, according to the county executive, that the woman that she lost her job. I don't know that you can make since she didn't benefit directly from it. You, you don't get the idea it's fraud. You just get the idea it's incompetence. I do think it is a very very fair question to ask. Why Why did you continue doing this? How can you just let this go? Here's what I think needs to happen. I, I think I, I agree with the first couple callers. They have you can't just walk away from 140 grand. You have to start collecting it. What I would do is I would say, okay, first of all, number one, we're going to do what we should have done, th- done three years ago. We're, we're going to make the, the monthly payments reflect what they should be. And then we're going to figure out a repayment plan, whether you do it over five years or ten years, but we're going to reduce the, the pension payments in order to take into account, you know, we, yes, I'm sorry, you're now going to have to go get by on less a month, but we're going to figure out a plan, and, and maybe that means we're going to reduce it by, you know, X amount of dollars a month. You can argue about whether or not she should have to pay interest. Maybe if you wanted to give her a break, you'd say, okay, we're, we're not going to take interest out of this, but yes, sooner or later, you've got to pay back the 140000 because if you don't, the losers are everybody else that are in the pension plan. But once again, if you want to talk about and wonder about the Clown Car Act that is Milwaukee County government, this is just another one of those examples. All right, coming up, big thing number three. I've been waiting to discuss it with you all morning. The ACLU, the criminal's friend, goes after the Milwaukee Police Department. Stick around. It's 927. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. Let me back into this topic for just a minute. Under the law, and sometimes people don't understand this, under the law, there is nothing that stops a police officer from going up and talking to someone. Right? There, there, there's, you don't need probable cause. You don't need reasonable suspicion that a crime has been committed. Police officers, just like I have the right to go up to somebody on the street and say, hey, can you give me directions or whatever, police officers under the law have the right to go up and to talk to someone. You, you can say, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? What, whatever. You have the right to do that. Now, in order to detain somebody temporarily, you need a different standard. You need reasonable suspicion that they've done something wrong. In order to arrest a person, you need probable cause to believe this crime has been committed. But there's all these different standards. And, but there's, there's nothing under the law that stops a police officer from being able to go up and ask somebody a question. You're, you're walking, I don't know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're walking past a dark alley, and you see three guys that are in the alley huddled around something. There's nothing that stops the officer from being able to go up and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Now, now if he doesn't let them go, if he, if he or she, the police officer, doesn't let him go and stops him and detains him, it, it might be a different standard. But police can have contact with citizens. There's nothing against the law about that. On top of that, in high crime areas, and let's face it, in Milwaukee, most, not all, but most of the crime 
occurs in certain zip codes. That is just the reality. I, I, you know, you, you might not like to hear that. You might want to be defensive about it. But the reality is most of the crime occurs in certain zip code areas. And it is a common and I think welcome police tactic that in those high crime areas, you have you put more of your resources, you put more cops on the street. And I personally think it is a good idea to have more cops on the street in high crime areas and police making inquiries to folks. I mean, I, I think a police presence is a good thing. You can flood the streets of Whitefish Bay. Right, you can flood it with police officers, but all right, you, you're, that you don't have as much crime as you have going on in certain parts of, for example, the inner city of Milwaukee. If you've got police resources, doesn't it make sense to put them on the streets there? Okay, so against this backdrop, the ACLU, the criminals' friends, have now filed a lawsuit against the city of Milwaukee, alleging that police are operating a stop-and-frisk program that mostly targets black and Latino residents who are often detained without cause. The lawsuits filed in federal court on behalf of six black and Latino plaintiffs who says they, say that they have been stopped one or multiple times without a citation or a clear explanation for why they were detained. The lawsuit alleges the stop-and-frisk program is citywide but is concentrated in areas largely populated by minorities, which, by the way, are probably the areas where there is the highest crime rate. Ed Flynn responds. Flynn says, first, the Milwaukee Police Department has never used the practice of stop and frisk, which is going up and patting people down to see if if they're armed. Nor has there ever been a quota for traffic stops. However, traffic stops in high-crime areas have been proven to reduce the number of non-fatal shootings, robberies, and motor vehicle thefts. In other words, if you're driving, you see a car that has a taillight out, you pull that car over, especially in high-crime areas. You're legitimately able to pull it over because it's got a taillight out, and on at least certain occasions, you find that the person who's driving with the taillight out all right, might have done something. So, all right, the conversation continues. The police chief says, no discussion of our crime tactics is complete without reference to the hyper-victimization of disadvantaged communities of color by high rates of violent crime. But the Milwaukee Police Department considers it our moral duty to confront violence where it occurs. Towards that end, our officers take physical risks every day, implementing the ethical and constitutional anti-crime strategies of the MPD. Let me translate. What MPD is saying is, yes, we have, we put more officers in the high crime areas. Yes, we make traffic stops in the high crime areas because we find statistically that it helps us stop crime. Yes, we have more cops on the streets. Yes, we have more police citizens encounters, but we're concentrating our resources where they need to be. We don't have a quota. We don't do stop and frisk. Pound sand ACLU. 414-799-1620. 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right. Don't you want to see in high crime areas, doesn't it make sense to have Milwaukee police officers on the streets pulling people over for, they have to have justification, pulling people over for traffic offenses, coming up and having 
con- uh, having consensual confrontations with the police. If you see something suspicious, don't you want the police officer to go up and to ask a couple questions? Now, like I say, if somebody alleges they're improperly detained or arrested without probable cause, you know, then you can file a lawsuit. But don't we want the police in high crime areas making inquiries don't we want them on the streets and if the high crime areas turn out to be predominantly minority areas so be it It, it, isn't that where we want them concentrating on crime 414-799-1620-800-877-1620 that's the acunate mortgage toll free talk line i think this lawsuit is shameful in my opinion and if somebody wants to allege that they have been improperly stopped that they have been detained okay fine but to go after the overall practice, I want the cops on the street investigating things. I want them in the high crime areas. And if you cared about the crime rate in the city of Milwaukee, you would support the police in this policy. 414-799-1620, That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. Don't we want the police being proactive in high crime areas? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 944, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 947, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Coming up in about 15 minutes, it's our dealer's choice topic. Who is that topless woman and why is she walking down Wisconsin Avenue? And after that, we are going to get to this viral video of the LAPD off-duty officer getting involved with uh, teenagers. Um, I've got a link to the video up on my show page. It's also now our top trending headline. So um, check it out. It's about seven minutes, but it'll help for the conversation. Right right now, we're talking about this ACLU lawsuit. It's big thing number three. Uh, the ACLU going after the Milwaukee Police Department saying, hey, they, they've got police officers in high crime areas who are going up and they are asking questions of people who are there. This is disproportionately affecting minorities because most of the crime high High crime areas are predominantly minorities in Milwaukee. This needs to stop. We're filing a lawsuit. Let's start with Joe in Oak Creek. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. My comment is that I'm glad that Chief Ed Flynn finally plagiarized the words of Harold Breyer from 50 <laughs> years ago when he told the reverence in the churches, you take care of the churches, I'll take care of the streets. <sighs> Yes. I, yeah, right. I, exactly. I mean, thanks. I mean, this is, first of all, Milwaukee doesn't have a, there's not a quota system. There, there's not a quota system, but there's no question that they are concentrating resources in the high crime areas. If you look at where the majority of the shootings are in the city, if you look at where the majority of the crime occurs, not all, but it tends to be concentrated in certain areas. Don't we want the cops on the streets? Don't we want them being aggressive? And if it happens that some of these communities that are the most crime-plagued are also the ones that are predominantly minorities, who cares? Isn't the idea to solve crime? And, and yes, to me, are, are they making traffic stops? Okay, fine. The, the question is, was it a legitimate traffic stop or not? And if you have a situation where they pull somebody over because there's a broken headlight or because they're speeding or whatever, yeah, if they're, if they're giving a little bit of less discretion on that, in a high crime area because they find statistically that, you know, we pull somebody over, it's legitimate on the traffic stop, and then we find that there's a gun in the front seat or you open the window and you see they stop and or they take off um, or whatever. We find that it helps us root out crime. Isn't that a good thing? And again, from a legal perspective, there is nothing wrong. There is no requirement at all that poli- police are allowed to come up and talk to people. They're allowed to ask questions. Now, you're allowed to walk away. 
you can, in fact, walk away. And if the police officer detains you, well, then they have to have reasonable suspicion or probable cause to make arrest. But, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but if I lived in a high-crime area and there's somebody out on the streets at 2 o'clock in the morning and the police officer comes up, I don't think – I want the police officer to say, hey, what, what are you doing? What's going on? Again, the person can walk away, but you can't have it both ways. You can't have safe streets and want aggressive, proactive policing and then have whiners like this with the ACLU. Let's talk to um, Ronan and Mequon. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, you know, I just wanted to say I do agree with you. Um, and secondly, uh, y- you already mentioned one of the points I was going to say. In order for a police officer to come up and talk to you, you can walk away, but the right. interaction has to be consensual. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Um, now, you're totally right. This, this, you know, this lawsuit is complete baloney. Um, it kind of reminds me of a case in uh, Virginia. I think it was West Virginia or Virginia. They, there was a piece of gun legislation that came in that was really harsh on felons, you know, that got caught with guns. Okay. And it was one of the only pieces of gun legislation that we passed that worked. It lasted about two or three years, and the Democrats ended up having it repealed because they said it disproportionately affected minorities mm-hmm. and that it was basically racist. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Right, right. And it just so happens that most of the high-crime areas, not only in Milwaukee but across the country, happen to be predominantly minorities. Yes. And that's, that's not anybody's fault. That's just kind of how it ends up working out. But the fact that they're suing over... A policy that's trying to keep people safe yep. is just ridiculous. It, it is ludicrous. No, th- thanks. That, that's it, it is absolutely ludicrous. And, and you see this all the time. You know, th- this is one of the things. Uh, Tom Barrett has his press conferences, and he talks about he, he wants tougher penalties on gun crimes and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm all in favor of that. I have no issue. But my, my question, my challenge to leaders, for example, in the city of Milwaukee, is if you get what you want, which I support, mandatory minimum sentencing, things like that, you have to recognize that the way the crime breakdown is in the city of Milwaukee is the higher crime areas are predominantly predominantly black or latino now that's not i'm not suggesting that there's something inherently that there's something inherent about a particular race that makes you more crime prone that's not what i'm suggesting but the reality is whether it's socioeconomic or whatever that's where the high crime areas are so you impose these penalties and what that means is there is going to be a disproportionate type of this person or that person that gets hit by these penalties so then I, I say, you know, Mayor Barrett, what are you going to say when the usual suspects, when the ACLU, for example, comes up and says, hey, this is a disproportionate impact. You know, we're, we're putting these longer sentences on gun crimes. And don't you realize that 70 percent of the people who get convicted of this end up, you know, being a person of color? Well, OK, again, you put your resources where the crime is. Now, if you've got evidence of police officers that are violating people's constitutional rights and improperly arresting people, that, that's fine. But if this idea is, gee, we're flooding the streets in high-crime areas and we're having more police-citizen encounters, we are encouraging the cops to go out and ask questions and be present, and if they see small stuff, if it's a broken windows theory of policing, if they see small st- small stuff and they see the tail light out or whatever, yeah, in the high crime areas, we want you to pull someone over. You're legally entitled to do it because that the tail light is out and they do it because then they find that especially in the high crime areas, it leads to a disproportionate number of of criminals being caught. Isn't that what we really want? The bad guys off the streets? 
Mary in Wauwatosa. Mary, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Mary, um, thank you for taking me yes, my call. I just want to say we're, we're having some challenges. I do live in the city of Milwaukee, but we're right up against Tulsa. Right. We've, been, we've had suspicious activity, the mobile drug, um, you know, back and forth with right. cars. Right. We, call, you know, we call third district, and they're just too busy. Uh, I, the crime is spreading right. out. For the simple fact that they're focusing on the inner city, and I I pay my taxes, and I'm getting no protection. Mm-hmm. What are they going to start saying when it's citywide? Right. Right. And, and we live in good neighborhoods, and we, mm-hmm. we want to keep our neighborhoods clean and good so that people can stay in the city. Right. You know, well, well probably- Mary, let me ask you this. Okay, let, let, let's, let us say, that, are you married, Mary? Are you married? No, okay. I'm not. Okay. And our All right. neighborhood has a ton of, not a ton, but a lot of single women okay. Um, l- l- okay. retired. Okay, let me give you, let, let's use my example. Let's say you and your, your next door neighbor, you're, you're, out, you're, you're out in your front yards and you're talking over the hedge or whatever, and there's a police officer walking a beat and he comes by and he decides, he, and he, he engages you and your neighbor in conversation. How you doing, ladies? What's up? He talks to you. Are you going to be offended? Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to be saying, hey, I'm glad I've got a police officer that, that's on the street engaging people? Uh, yeah, you're not going to mind if he talks to you, are you? Correct. Yeah. But recently, as a white female, I have been detained for two and a half hours with do no due cause. So should I hire an attorney and sue uh, a hospital? I won't name the okay. hospital and the sheriff's department. This really gives me a good idea. Well, don't let's not let's not go down that round, Mary. Let's not go down that route. Thanks. I mean, here's here, here here's the bottom line. You can't have it both ways. You if you if you if you want to allow the streets to be overrun, high crime areas to continue to be high crime areas and overrun with antisocial behavior and criminal behavior, fine. Just tell the police. Don't don't come into our don't come into our neighborhoods. Don't do your job. Don't pull people over for traffic violations. Don't be proactive. Don't pay attention to the small stuff. If that's really the community that you want to live in, well, you want to be on the side of the ACLU. On the other hand, if you want safe streets and you want the police doing their job and trying to hold criminals accountable, you know which side to come down on this lawsuit. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ Honda, is producing the show. Do you know who Rick Pitino is? Rick Pitino, um, currently the coach, the basketball coach at Louisville. He's been there since 2001. He coached at Kentucky for a couple years. He's been in the NBA with the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. He also coached at Providence. Um, he's a Hall of Fame basketball coach. He is also a reprehensible slime bag. I mean, there, there's no way to say it. This, this is, he is a, in my opinion, he is a despicable human being who represents a lot of the worst things in, in college basketball. But, which, and I take nothing away from his success. He's a guy who's been embroiled in one scandal after another, scandals involving prof- his personal life, scandals involving his professional life. I mean, the most, the most recent one is... Okay, he, he's the head basketball coach at Louisville. Big basketball program. 
in my opinion, nothing goes on at these college basketball programs without the head coach knowing about it. It's just, it does not happen. I, I don't believe that it's like, gee, I had no idea this was happening. And, you know, Louisville um, embroiled in all sorts of controversy. What was it last year? Reports of an assistant coach who organized and orchestrated sex acts, strippers and escorts, hired over and over again to entertain recruits and current basketball players, um, you know, cash, cash payment to the strippers for the sex acts and things like this, all of which happened under Rick Pitino's watch. And, of course, Pitino's line, I, I had no idea that there were strippers and there was this going on for the recruits and players. Imagine my surprise. B.S., in my opinion. B.S., but but that's the type of person Rick Patino is. Like I say, I think he is I think he's a slime bucket. And I'm taking nothing away from the success he's had. And and maybe maybe the truth is if you're going to succeed in major college basketball, this is the type of stuff that you have to do. But um I, you, you will never convince me that Patino is anything other than I take nothing away from his success, but I think he's a sleazebag. So I'm watching Sports Center last night and Louisville was playing at North Carolina, and there's the scene. Patino, who is a human slime bag, in my opinion, going nuts, screaming at this fan who's then screaming at him. Patino has the fan ejected, and then afterwards has this news conference where he says, oh, the guy's a coward. He turned his back on me. Well, okay, this is after securities, of course, ejecting the guy. And I'm wondering... What it was that the fan said that had this, I mean, Patino really has to be restrained from going after the fan. Now, this is, again, Rick Patino, the human slime bag. And I thought, I, 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 that was my curiosity. What did the guy say that, and it's a, it was an older guy. I mean, it was a middle-aged guy. It wasn't a student. What did the, the guy say that elicited this type of response? Because I will tell you, Rick Patino given the slime bag that he is, is is almost insult-proof. There are people, in my opinion, that are insult-proof because pretty much anything you say to them at some point in time will will be true. But I, I was wondering, did he say something about the guy's mother? Or I don't know if he's married now, but, but did, did he say something? And so I, that was one of the first things I wanted to do when I woke up this morning because they didn't say on Sports Center. They just and of course the coach at North Carolina is well, Rick Patino is this great basketball coach, and this is, we're above this, and we apologize if any fan said anything. And I was wondering, you know, what 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 was it that that generated this response? So I, that's what I spent about fifteen minutes this morning trying to track down. What did the fan, the adult, say to him that generated this response? He said, Patino, you suck. <laughs> that, and that pushes slime bag Rick Patino over the top. Patino shouts towards the streets, had to be restrained by the coaching staff, going after some guy who yells that Patino sucks. Now, I think of all the different things you could say to Rick Patino, that's probably one of the nicer things. Patino says, he just got in my face and said something I didn't like. I take it from the students all the time. You expect it from the students, but from an adult, and then to turn his back on me like he's a coward? Well, he turns his back on you because the security people are there protecting you. Ah. So if you see this video and you wonder what it was that set off Rick Patino, he of the scandal, what the scandal du jour, the guy said, you suck. I mean, really, this if you are a major college basketball coach running a major college basketball program 
And you have a history, like Rick Patino has, of scandal that has plagued you for a long, long time, and you're going to go absolutely nuts because some guy, some guy says you suck. I mean, really? Uh, get a talk about thin skin. Like I say, I would think Rick Patino would be embracing the notion that somebody's screaming "you suck" at him because. Trust me, there's all sorts of other stuff that you could yell that would be much harsher, which would be completely and totally appropriate for, in my opinion, the human disgrace that is Rick Patino. All right, got that out of my system. This is the segment of the program I call Dealer's Choice. We do this at 10 o'clock every day. It's what I consider to be one of the more talkable topics of the day. Not the biggest story necessarily, but something that I find to be interesting, and, and hopefully you will as well. I broadcast from State Fair every year. I, and I, I don't know what the plan is this year as to whether, since I'm now doing 8.30 to noon, whether we're back there. I mean, Charlie, when, when Charlie did the show, he just didn't like doing the show from outside the studio. So that, that was why. But State Fair opens up early. So, I mean, if, if I get a vote, I'm, I'm going to be out there you know, doing the show from 8.30 because there's people out there and stuff. So if I get a vote, I'm going to be out there. I love being out at State Fair. I also love the people watching at State Fair. And so take this, what I'm about to say, with the, all the affection that I have. But the people watching at State Fair, every once in a while, you wonder, and I say this to men and women, you wonder about the clothing choices that, that are made. Guys, God made shirts for a reason. There are some people, some guys, who look really, really good without shirts. Most of us don't fit in that category. And especially once you get to a certain age, you know, you, you, shirts are a good thing. You know what I'm saying? It just, it, it is. Shirts are a good thing. Um, one of my rules is you should not wear muscle shirts unless you have muscles. I'm, I'm just saying. And so you, you see that. And you see at State Fair, you see lots of people, for example, walking around, you know, without, without shirts on. And you kind of go, eh, it's not necessarily the best look. Ladies. Wagner's rule of life number six is just because they make it in your size doesn't mean you should wear it. I'm, I'm just I'm just saying this is not being judgmental because, look, I am very, very conscious of this. But, you know, I don't know, you know, size 20 orange spandex, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the, the best look. So I am very mindful of that. This is not being sexist. It, is, it applies both ways. But. There are certain standards of propriety, which brings me to this story. A federal judge in Fort Collins, Colorado, yesterday, well, actually, the federal judge is in Denver. Fort Collins, Colorado. I've been to Fort Collins. They have an ordinance which says that women are not permitted to knowingly expose their breasts in public. Right? That's, there, there is the ordinance that if you want to walk down the streets of Fort Collins, Colorado, women have to cover up at least a little bit. You are not allowed to knowingly expose your breasts on the streets of Fort Collins, Colorado. The ordinance applies to women. It does not apply to men. So whether or not it would be a good look for a guy to walk down the streets of Fort Collins, Colorado without a shirt on, there's nothing in the law that prevents it. There is a law that says women can't go topless in Fort Myers. Fort Myers, I'm sorry, Fort uh, Collins. 
I don't think women can go topless in Fort Myers either. But that's an aside. That's another story. So in any event, you have lawyers who decide we are going to sue. They start a class action lawsuit on behalf of women who presumably want to go topless on the streets of Fort Collins, Colorado. Now, similar ordinances have been upheld across the country, but this one goes in front of a federal judge in Denver who yesterday issued a ruling blocking enforcement of this order. The judge says the ordinance is rooted against discrimination against women. Thus, he writes, it perpetuates, yeah, it is a he, he perpetuates, it perpetuates a stereotype ingrained in our society that female breasts are primarily object of sexual desire, whereas male breasts are not, and issues an injunction saying that the city will no longer be allowed to cite women for exposing their breasts in public. Um, the judge found that, um, again, th- this topless ban, illegal. One of, the, one of the, the plaintiffs describes this as an historic victory. It's a huge relief. It is definitely a big win. And then, of course, they quote somebody from the psychology department at Colorado College who says, the naked female breast is seen as disorderly or dangerous because society, from Renaissance paintings to Victoria's Secret commercials, has conflated female breasts with genitalia and stereotyped them as such. Okay, 414-799-1620, That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. All right, th- should this now be the law of the land? If a community were to say we don't you know we we don't want women wandering around topless you know in public parks or on the streets is this in fact discrimination i guess it is discrimination but is should it be illegal discrimination or alternatively is there a societal difference between boys and girls that justifies a position saying you know um all right men can go topless women can't It's 1022, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Milwaukee has risen to a top 50 place to live in America. Our partners at Milwaukee share what they think happened in the last The Intersection of People in Place podcast. It's up now on the WTMJ mobile app. Yeah, check that out. There's the this show. We have the podcast every day, Sports Central, and then a number of podcasts from people that you don't hear on the radio every day. Check it out. All right, yesterday in Denver, federal judge says any law saying that women are not allowed to go topless in public it is unconstitutional. It is a violation of free speech. It is unlawful discrimination. As long as you let men go topless in public, whether they should or not, you, you got to let women go topless in public. What do you think? Katie in Burlington. Katie, good morning. You're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. God bless America that they <laughs> would even need something on the books about this. But these women who feel that they've liberated them, their bosoms from some <laughs> ancient antiquated notion that they are sexual because I, I do feel mine are what if they're walking down the street topless and some guy decides to cop a feel is it then considered a sexual assault i mean i well, am well, right to... right i mean if somebody if, if if they're if you go up to somebody and you touch them on on the back is that now going to be sexual assault or if you touch them on the breast is is that right it, where do you well, kind of draw this they're line not sexual right. anymore and they don't want them to be labeled as such i imagine if some guy came up and and decided to cop a feel 
they would feel violated. Now, I understand there's legitimately so, by the way. You know, legitimately so. Sure. Exactly, but they're saying it's not sexual, so you couldn't charge him with sexual assault. You maybe could charge a guy with simple assault or out of disorderly conduct or something. But I wonder how women would feel about that because we do consider it a private space, probably more private than the rest of our body. So if a guy comes up and bumps me on the shoulder. Right. I'm not going to feel the same as I would if he grabbed my breast, but these women are saying they're one in the same. Right, so and, see, now, and, and see, and I understand the, the idea. Of pe- lots of people get worked up over the, the breastfeeding in public places and stuff. And so, I mean, I, I guess I think that there's a difference between uh, a woman who is breastfeeding, a per- perfectly natural is. act, versus, hey, it, it's Wisconsin Avenue, you know, or it's Main Street in Burlington. I'm, I'm going to walk down. I'm, I'm going over to the restaurant, and I'm, I'm going to parade around topless. Th- there is a difference between boys and of, girls. Of you know? course there is. Yes, we have. These are different. Male breasts are not the same as female breasts and if you that is just the way society has done it we, we dress because you know we, right we feel our bodies are our boys and girls are different no no, exactly. no no thanks i mean again i i, I look and, and i understand that 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 you know for example the breastfeeding is the best example i can come up with that that's that's a normal sort of activity and if somebody was saying you shouldn't charge me for a crime because i'm sitting on a park bench and i'm breastfeeding my child that that that's one thing have we really gotten to a point where all right there's no sort of standards at all and if you decide that you want to have this rule that is in place that all right, it's okay for a guy to go without a shirt. It, does that mean that, that women can go without a shirt? And how far does this go? I mean, what about the rights of, what about the rights of, okay, can, can Miller Park, for example, during Brewers games, you know, if, if this were to be, you know, upheld as a law, if, if you say guys have to, you know, guys are allowed to take their shirts off, does that then mean that, okay, women can take their shirts off and it's no big deal? I, this is, I, I understand this concept that you know you don't want to treat people in an unfair sort of way, but there is a difference between men and women, isn't there? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. William in Milwaukee. William, you're in six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, William. Hey. Um, so one thing uh, that I've really been thinking about this as we've been uh, mm-hmm. speaking that society has um, definitely sexualized the female breast. Yep. Um, but the thing is also that if it comes to um, a desire to expose, for women to expose their breasts um, in just for pleasure or uh, to get attention, society has made areas for that to happen. I mean, we have things like nude beaches, mm-hmm. um, strictly nude communities. Right. So if it's um, for a reason that they find, you know, just fun and looking to get attention, then those are some places that they can go. Um, but, I mean, it's really not appropriate, especially when uh, children are around, to have just women flaunting their breasts. I mean... Well, and see, and they would and see William. And thanks for calling. I mean, I mean, the people that are plaintiffs here would, would disagree with the term flaunting. Oh, this is natural. If we want to walk around topless, it should be no different than than men work walking around topless. And this is discrimination and it's misogynistic. But but the truth is, there are historical differences between men and women. That's one of the reasons why, for example, we have separate restrooms. For example, there there is this historical thing that is out there. I don't know. I, this, again, lots of courts have come down the other way. This is the first time a federal judge has ruled this. Um, I think, candidly, 
I think what you're going to see is a lot more litigation about this, because I wonder where this goes. Because if you say you, you can't prohibit this on the streets of Fort Collins, where can you, in fact, prohibit this? And aren't boys and girls different? All right, coming up next, it's this video that I've been talking about all morning. It has gone viral, the latest controversy involving an off-duty Los Angeles police officer that is leading to all these protests. If you want to see it, I've got a link to it up at uh, WTMJ.com. Check that out. It's 1028 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It is a hell of a world. You will remember, Mar- maybe, March of 2015, there was an incident out of, of Madison, the People's Republic. It involved a Madison police officer. His name is Matt Kenny. Matt Kenny is not a bad cop. This is not a cop with a history of disciplinary violations. This is a good police officer. Um, March 6th of 2015, there is a call made to the, I, guess, I think it was 911, but regardless. And, and Kenny gets dispatched. The, the report is that there's a guy who was out of control, who had run into the street, who had attacked two people, and then had returned into this, this apartment. So go investigate. So Matt Kenny, police officer, is the first guy that arrives on the scene. He goes into the, the apartment, and he goes into the stairwell, at which point in time he, he says he, he thinks he, he hears all this noise. He hears this disturbance. He, he thinks he hears somebody being assaulted. There is a young man named Tony Robinson who is um, high on hallucinogenic mushrooms and other drugs. They are in this narrow stairwell, and Robinson... Uh, strikes Kenny. He charges Kenny. There is a struggle. Kenny pulls out his service revolver. He's being attacked. He shoots and kills this young man. It is an unfortunate situation, but okay, you're, you're responding. You're a cop. You are responding to this. You've got somebody that's out of control, that's attacked people. You go into this narrow stairwell and somebody who is high on hallucinogenic mushrooms and other drugs strikes you, attacks you, wrestles with you. He shoots him. All right. The State Division of Criminal Investigation investigates the shooting, finds nothing wrong. The uber-liberal Dane County District Attorney, Ismail Ozan, looks at this, says, no, there, there's, this, there's nothing wrong here with what happened. An internal review of the incident by the Madison Police Department clears Kenny of violating department policies. Um, the sit, uh, so uh, this is a good, legitimate shooting it is an unfortunate situation unfortunate situation but you know what the lesson is all right don't get yourself high and don't attack cops well surely as night follows day um, federal lawsuit is filed alleging that the officer violated the guy's civil rights by shooting him after being attacked while the guy was high lawsuit supposed to go to trial and this is what belinda was just talking about and this is what the madison papers have the i will read it the family of tony robinson who sued the city of madison after he was killed by officer matt kenny in 2015 has settled the suit according to the attorneys for 3.35 million dollars city hasn't confirmed that but that's the announcement the law firm has made the Madison Police Department said in a statement on Thursday that it was not involved in the negotiations, ultimately leading to a settlement 
and hoped the case would have gone to trial so Kenny could have been cleared by court, the, in court, as he had been cleared of any wrongdoing by the district attorney and the department. Um, news conference announcing the settlement was planned. Police say the settlement is no admission of wrongdoing. Um, here's what the police say. The chief and other department leaders had hoped the civil case would proceed to trial so Officer Kenny could be cleared in this additional venue. However, they understand that attorneys, insurance providers, and risk managers have reached a business decision based on factors other than the actual facts of the case. Uh... Kenny, who was placed on leave following the shooting, was assigned to the police department's training section and mounted patrol after being cleared and remains in those duties today. So what they are saying is we're paying $3.35 million because the insurance company doesn't have the stones to go to trial, and they've decided it's just worth settling this. You know, this, this is the type of stuff which I understand business decisions to make lawsuits go away, but the truth of the matter is... These are the type of cases where principle does matter. If you believe Madison Police Department, insurance company for Madison Police Department, city attorneys, if you believe that the officer acted in a reasonable fashion, I believe you have a moral duty to stand up to that and defend them. Now, if you think he did something wrong, now, of course, DCI says there's no problem. The, DS, the district attorney says there's no problem. Um, he's been cleared internally. I understand there's perhaps a different standard review in a civil case versus, like, the criminal case. But seriously, here you have a situation where somebody who has allegedly assaulted people, who is high on drugs, who attacks a police officer in a stairwell, is going to apparently be collecting $3.35 million if these reports are correct. You wonder why taxes are high. You wonder why insurance rates are high. You wonder why police officers just think we don't have anybody that has our back. This is a classic example of it. It is unfortunate. It is tragic that this young man lost his life. But talk about talk about the family, in my opinion at least, winning the legal lottery. $3.35 million. Well, all right, Unless uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about this L.A. video and get your reaction. Stick around. 1041, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ, $3.35 million. Hmm. Ten forty-five. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Legendary musician Roger Waters is bringing all the hits of Pink Floyd to Milwaukee. He'll be at the BMO Harris Bradley Center on July 29th. and you could be there on us. Tune into my show all this week and all next week for your chance to win a pair of tickets. We give them away during the nine o'clock hour of the show. All right. Um, here, here's the story. Again, I've got a link to the video up on our main page at WTMJ.com, also on the Wagner Show page, so you can check it out. Um, this is this is a video, cell phone video, that is making the rounds. Here's, here's what happens. Um, it's a neighborhood in Los Angeles, like many of the neighborhoods around here. They, they look like they're like small tract houses, you know, one next to the other. There's this guy who happens to be a police officer, but that only becomes relevant a little bit later on, um, lives in Anaheim, you know, so outside of Los Angeles. Um, he's apparently had ongoing issues with kids walking across his property. And this has been going on for the longest period of time. He's been trying to get the kids to stop. The kids 
ignore him and continue to you know trespass on his property so yesterday he, he's out there and he sees all these kids that are walking across the property and apparently what what happens is he starts yelling at the kids to to get off his property and one of, of the kids like who's a 13 year old 13 year old boy with his backpack you know heading to school or wherever starts yelling back at the man don't scream don't scream at this you know what are you doing why are you yelling now um, the officer apparently uses a bad word and you don't and again it's, it's only relevant later on that it's an off-duty police it's like a homeowner homeowner is yelling at these kids to stop walking across his lawn so this 13 year old boy Here's the guy yell at this girl who's walking across the lawn and goes up and says, you shouldn't curse at her. And then the, the officer, then, then the kid says, that's, you, you know, you cursed at her. And the officer says, I didn't. And then there's some dispute as to whether the 13-year-old says, I'm going to sue you or I'm going to shoot you. It's a little bit up in the air. At that point in time, the officer grabs the kid by the shoulders and holds him. Now, somebody has called the police now. So the officer is holding the kids, waiting, holding the kid, waiting for the cops to arrive. And you can see this all in the video. And the 13-year-old is yelling at the cop, and the cop is, and again, the, the homeowner, who happens to be an off-duty cop, is yelling back at, at him. But he's, he's physically restraining him. I think he's restraining him because, again, he's waiting for the police to come. The police officer, the off-duty cop, believes the kid said he was going to shoot him. Kid later says, no, I said I was going to sue you. And then you've got the cell phone video. Everybody's just standing around. They're, they're taking the, the cell phones, and these kids are yelling at him. If you look at listen to the video, bad language is coming. You know, bad language is being used by everybody. You know, one of the kids, this is, again, this is the world of 13-year-olds, say, he's, he's unlawfully holding a minor. You know, okay, so goes back and forth, and the, the homeowner slash off-duty police officer is holding, he's restraining the kid. He's holding. It's not free to go. He is holding him, and the kid is kind of pushing towards him, and they're kind of yelling at each other. They back up to th- this hedge, at which point in time another kid runs, runs into the police officer, smashes into him, knocks him back into the hedge. So the police officer, again, homeowner, who is not in uniform or anything, goes into this hedge, gets knocked, falling over. He is holding on to the 13-year-old. So the 13-year-old goes into the hedge as well because one of the other kids bum-rushes him and knocks him. At that point in time, a number of the other kids start to approach and kind of gather around um, escalating the confrontation because now it's gotten physical. The police officer, homeowner, has a gun. And the gun is under his, he's wearing a flannel shirt or something. I, up until this, you can't see that he has a gun. He pulls out the gun and I think fires it up in the air. He doesn't fire at anybody, but he does fire it. He fires the gun, causing the kids then to disperse. And this is then all caught on on video on videotape. Um, Anaheim police arrive about 2.40 p.m., and now this led to people taking to the streets, hundreds of people protesting the alleged abuse of this 13-year-old by the police officer, the discharge of the weapon, all those different types of things. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. I'm watching this video, and, and I understand 
that this might not be the conventional wisdom, but I'm trying to put myself in the position of this homeowner. You have kids that are constantly trespassing on your property. You have asked them and asked them and asked them to stop. They refuse to do it. You yell at one of the kids, and some other kid comes up and gets in your face, and at least in the, the homeowner thinks the kid told him that he was going to shoot him. He then holds him. He is trying to hold him. He is restraining him, waiting for authorities to arrive. There is a struggle. At least one of the other kids then runs into the police officer, assaults him, knocks him into a hedge. At that point in time, he produces the gun. He fires a shot in the air. 414-799-1620, What should happen to the off-duty officer? And is this really a basis to have hundreds of people taking to the streets, blocking traffic, talking about injustice? Or maybe is the real question whether or not this was an overreaction? Is the real question what the you-know-what is wrong with these kids that this is the response, that there is this much disrespect that's out there. 414-799-1620, what do you think? Todd in Milwaukee. Todd, you're first. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my sure. call. Um, I think it's really just very simple. Uh, the homeowner, as you keep saying, um, is basically doing doing what he has to do. You know, these kids, everyone's very sensitive nowadays. And, and oh, you said this and you did that and poor me and wah, wah, wah. Well, guess what? The homeowner is trying to protect his land. He's been asking, asking when some right. kid comes up to him and says, I'm going to shoot you. Well, that's it. You know, right. yeah. he didn't do anything wrong by holding him. Um, pulling out his gun, you know, he had to do that for his own safety, I believe. There's like eight kids around. You know, it's, it could be quite... Well, and he was, and he was you know. clearly assaulted. I mean, there, there's no question that, that, I mean, the gun doesn't come out. You don't see the gun until one of the other 13-year-olds runs up and knocks the man into this hedge, knocking him over. At, at, you know, what 13-year-old, I mean, I don't know about you, Todd, but when I was 13 years old, it would not have occurred to me to go running into some adult and trying to knock them over during a confrontation. I mean, it's, it wouldn't have occurred to me, but that apparently is what goes on nowadays on a regular basis. Respect goes both ways, and I think that these kids stepped over the line many, many times in this video. Uh, thanks to call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Now, the, the discharge of the firearm is going to get the police officer in trouble. I, I have no question. And again, you don't know he's a cop. He, he does at a couple point times say that he's a police officer, but you know, he, he's, just, he's a homeowner. He's off-duty, and he's got the gun in his waistband. That, I think, is probably going to get him in trouble. But, you know, I, I see how this escalates. He's holding the kid who he thinks, kid says, I told you I was going to sue you. What 13-year-old says that? I'm going to sue you. Um, he says he, the kid told him he thought he was going to shoot him, but he's holding and waiting for the cops to arrive. He is assaulted by one of the other kids, you know, and then the gun comes out as other people convert around him I don't know even if the homeowner didn't handle this perfectly I guess my question is I don't know is this is this really something that people need to take to the streets and protest for is this really the outrage we continue the conversation next 1053 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ Fifty six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Brian in Chicago. Brian, good morning. Jeff, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Did the cop, did the off duty police officer go too far? You know, I so I think that uh, he was within his right to to detain the kid. Uh, you know, the kid definitely 
uh, file the dynamic envelope of, of, of his property. However, um, in terms of him, number one, carrying his firearm, and then more importantly, discharging his firearm, I mean, he's off duty. So while I think when you work in government, especially in the capacity of a cop, you're a cop whether you're on or off duty, right. you, need to up, you need to uphold uh, that, that conviction, meaning that you need to act accordingly. Um, you know, these are kids. I, I don't think it was necessary for him to fire his, 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 uh, right. his gun. Uh, I can see him having issues with that. In terms of protesting, you know, it is what it is. Kids need to learn lessons sometimes. You know, unfortunately, we live in a time now where we're unable to discipline kids the way we did back yep. when we were growing up. Uh, but, you know, I think he was within his right in terms of detaining him, in terms of uh, discharging his firearm. I think that he may have to uh, answer for that. Thank yeah, you. Have no, a great day, sir. No, thanks, Nicole, Brian. And, and that, I, I think, is the key. I don't I don't think up, and, up until the time the gun comes out. I, I don't think the office, the off-duty officer, the homeowner, did anything wrong. And to me, that's my big takeaway as I'm watching these video. It's this, you got out-of-control kids. I mean, absolutely no respect at all. And if the one kid did, in fact, say, I'm going to shoot you, well, I think the officer has every right to, to hold the kid while you wait for the police to arrive. As far as the other kid that attacked the police officer and pushed him in, he should definitely be charged with, with a, a battery. The, to me, the homeowner here is the victim. And that's what we lose sight over. It's, oh, these are 13 and 14 and 15-year-old kids. No, it, it's the homeowner here who is the victim. Now, I, I think maybe this was an occasion where, as all the other kids are starting to surround the homeowner slash off-duty police officer, I think you can make a strong argument that he sort of feared, he perhaps feared for his life or feared that this was going to escalate. Um, if he took out the firearm, that might have been better. I don't get, he didn't point it, I'm looking at the video, he didn't point it at anybody, but um, if he took out the firearm, this is not an occasion, I think, where you necessarily needed to discharge it. By firing the shot, then everybody runs away, and you kind of diffuse the situation. You know, big picture, I'm sure there's probably going to be a little bit of internal discipline here, but this is this is what we're going to take to the streets and riot about. Maybe, maybe those people who are taking to the streets who are upset about this should be concerned about the way the children are, in fact, behaving, the disrespect for adults, and the disrespect for authority in general, that is perhaps the biggest issue that is out there, but of course that's going to get lost in all the hubbub. It's 1059, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1108, Jeff Wagner, 620. Glad to have you with us. 40 degrees outside. It was in the 60s yesterday, and looks like we're going to get a whole bunch of rain over the course of the next day, but the, the good news is... If if this storm system had tracked oh a little bit further to the south, instead of getting rain, we'd be looking at a foot of snow. Blizzard warnings out in the Dakotas, blizzard warnings in Minnesota, and winter storm warnings. Looks like you're going to get a ton of snow up north. For us, it's going to be rain. And then, uh, again, if you look at the long-term forecast, there's, that, that is the one thing when we get to this part of the year, where it's the end of February and early March, uh, even if you get snow, it doesn't tend to stick around that long, plus... The temperatures are more temperate. It's not like what happens in December and January and sometimes in early February where you get the 6 or 12 inches of snow and then it's followed by 10 degree below zero weather. We're, we're past that. So while I think that there's more winter here, and I suspect we're probably going to get once or twice during March, bottom line is we're, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't think that light is a train coming the other way. 
All right. Um, 11.35. This is Thursday. And that time every Thursday we do Pop Culture Corner. Hey, the Oscars are coming up. So this is an Oscar-related Pop Culture Corner. Um, I do believe we're going to be doing Facebook Live for that as well. So check that out. This is... I've talked about this on two occasions in the past in a in the context of federal law. Now this is pertinent to Wisconsin. And I, I acknowledge I don't know if this is a liberal versus conservative issue. I, I certainly don't think it's a Republican Democrat issue. To me, it's just an issue of doing the, the right thing. And I, I acknowledge I feel very strongly about this because of my personal circumstances. The um Last year, Ron Johnson in the U.S. Senate was pushing hard for what is called right to try legislation. If you haven't heard about this before, right to tr- right now, we have a very lengthy process for new drugs to be approved by the, the FDA. There, there's peri- there's periods of testing. In, in many cases, it's it's a process that could go five or six years. It is extremely expensive in order to get a drug to market. And I understand what the FDA is trying to do. They want to make sure that if drugs, if if there is a drug that is developed and before it is commonly used and before it is put on the market, they want to make sure that it's safe, that it's effective. We don't want bad drugs that are getting on the market or stuff that, that doesn't work. So, so that's why you have this entire review process. I understand that and have no issue with that as a general rule. But what Right to Try says, and again, Ron Johnson was pushing this. It got bottled up in the U.S. Senate last year because Harry Reid, who was the you know, Democrat minority leader, he, he was blocking it because he didn't want Ron Johnson to get credit in an election year for getting a bill passed because then it would have been theoretically an issue against Russ Feingold. didn't matter. Johnson beat Feingold like a drum. But because of that political issue, th- this legislation did not get through. But I know it's going through the federal um, – it's going through the U.S. Senate now. I think it will be approved. 31 states, not Wisconsin, now have right-to-try legislation. What this says is that – If you have someone who is suffering a terminal illness, terminally ill patients and their doctors could choose together to try treatments that have not received full approval from the FDA. So the doctor, in consultation with the patient, could say, you know, you are suffering from terminal cancer. There is nothing that we can do. But there is this this drug that's around, and it's working its way through the process, and there's clinical trials or, and whatever, but this isn't going to be approved um, formally at best for a few more years. So what Right to Try would allow you to do is they would allow the, even though it has not formally been approved, it would allow the patient and the doctor to make the decision to say, okay, we are going to try this. Now, it doesn't require insurance companies to pay for it. It doesn't require the, the drug company to necessarily make it available. But it does say, all right, you can have this drug if, if you can get it and if your doctor agrees. Now, the argument in favor of this is that when you have somebody who is facing late-stage terminal cancer, for example, and, and you know that there's really no other options that are there, why not let them take a chance? 
mean, I know people. I know people who, because there were dr- there are drugs being used in Europe um, that are not yet approved in the United States, who had the wherewithal and traveled to Europe so they can get these these drug treatments because they can't get them in the United States. So the argument is, if you've got somebody who is terminally ill, no hope. Why not give them the right to try? Now, the opponents, and it's, it's basically, it's, it's largely the medical industry, to tell you the truth, like the doctors. They say, well, no, this, this, this gives patients false hope, and it might undermine the clinical trial uh, situation. So institutionally, the medical community is saying, well, we're not sure this is a very good idea. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. There is a, there's legislation in the state right now there's a hearing on this yesterday um which would make which would make wisconsin the 32nd state to adopt this right to try legislation interestingly this is legislation that has support from the very liberal members of the assembly and the senate and some of the most conservative members 414-799-1620-800-877-1620 that's the acunet mortgage toll-free talk line I, i don't mean to really climb up on my soapbox here but as i have argued with medical marijuana you know, given when you have somebody who's terminally ill, if if after if given the fact that you can pres- be prescribed really heavy duty opiates, you know, if, if medical marijuana to maybe help you sleep or ease your nausea or increase your appetite, if that would work, why not? And I guess I look at this the, the same way. If you have somebody who is at the end of life type of situation, and you can get access to one of these things. Why not give somebody that chance? Now, maybe maybe you're creating false hope, but isn't that isn't that a better alternative than no hope at all? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. I, I'm in favor of this right to try. I just I see this as I really see this as a no lose type of situation. We discuss next. Eleven fifteen. Jeff Wagner six twenty WTMJ. 1118, Jeff Wagner six twenty WTMJ. The right to try. Jean in Milwaukee. Jean, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I am opposed to right to try legislation. I believe that it gives parents false hope. Um, my daughter is a cancer survivor. She was diagnosed with a rare liver cancer when she was only 10 months old. Mm-hmm. And luckily, it was found extraordinarily early. She was able to get treatment for it and is now cancer free. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of cancers out here for children that are just hopeless. There is a zero percent chance. But, but then, of, but then, what's the what's the downside of trying some new drug that's in the? If if you agree, if medical science says there's there's no hope, but there's this new drug, we don't know if it's going to work or not. What's the downside of, of letting somebody try it? I think the downside is the fact that that can really screw up um, medical trials because you're giving somebody that may not meet the criteria to be admitted to these trials. No. So what? But, very... I guess it, but but so what? I mean, so then you you don't count it towards the medical trials. I mean, I, I, I so, so what? Then you say, okay, well this this wasn't the standard medical trial, but we did this as the hail mary to see if it did anything. What what's the I guess I just I still don't understand the downside. Well, then, okay, so let's say that they do that. You have the you have the funds to go to Europe and try a Mm -hmm. a treatment over there that we can't get here in the U.S. 
Well, just because it worked for that child and that child's cancer does not mean that it's going to work for every child mm. that has that type of cancer. There's sure. just so many different parameters, sure. which is why, you know, you have to have such strict guidelines for... Gene, let, let me, let me just... Everybody can't just... No, no, Jean. I guess I, I thanks. Sir. I, I could not disagree with you more. Everybody, I think, if you're a regular listener, you know, I lost my my wife to liver cancer, um, terminally ill. When she first received her diagnosis, they said a couple weeks, maybe a year. Um, eight days before she passed away, we we go into the hospital. They say the cancer has now spread and it's in the lungs, and there's nothing we can do. And there's nothing we can do. Uh, there, there's nothing. We can't do any more chemotherapy. We can't do anything. Well, at that stage, if, if there was the option, I mean, in all in all seriousness, if if somebody had said, "All right, there, there's nothing more that we have available. We've exhausted everything else." But you know what? There's this wonder drug that's moving through the, the process, and 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 we don't know if it's going to work. But but you know, we're willing to give it a try. At that point in time, what 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 was the what is the downside? And, and I think. Anybody who has ever been in that situation would say, okay, we're going, we'll, we'll try this to see because there's no harm. Now, again, I, I understand if you want to, if you want to say, okay, we're not going to include your success rates and we're not going to roll them into the trials or whatever. But at, at that stage, there, there's nothing to lose because if you know anybody that's ever been in that stage and the doctor comes in and they say, okay, th- this is it. We've done everything. There's nothing. Now it's just a waiting time. I guess I just don't see what the downside is. I fully appreciate that most of the stuff isn't going to work. And if it gives you false hope, oh, okay, it's false hope, but it's not going to change the dynamic because otherwise there's no hope. Let's talk to um, Gary in West Dallas. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Um, my condolences to that lady for what she had to go through with her child, but I totally disagree with her because she's putting her own feelings towards a family that might want to have a chance. And my example is during the 50s, you had certain disease, and they used to quarantine the house. I remember when our house was quarantined for TB, and my grandfather died from it. My uncle died from it. My father was taken into Sacred Heart, and that's where they used to take people to die. Right. And my dad went there, and he signed off to try a drug for TB. He was 30-some years old. He just died a few years ago. Mm-hmm. He was in his 70s. Had he not tried that, he would have died along with his dad yeah. and his uncle. And right. to say that somebody shouldn't have that right to try something once it's that far gone, yeah. I don't think it's right for that lady to say and use her own thing to tell what other people should have to do. Well, right, because every situation is going to be different. And I, I look, and I do appreciate you've got clinical trials, and there are all these different things that are controlled. And, I, and I'm not saying you... You eliminate the FDA's overall testing program to decide if something's going to work or not, and you know, still do the same thing that you're doing. But you know, in these situations where you have the terminally ill patient, who medical science tells you that the doctors say there's nothing more we can do. Now you just have to you know wait around, and all we can do is make somebody comfortable. And God bless them. I understand that. But we, again, why why not try it? And, and maybe it will be the hail mary. I appreciate that most times it's not going to be that case. But why why not give somebody that at least chance to do something if they choose to do it? Absolutely. I mean, everybody should have that right to make that decision. And um, to have somebody 
say that they don't want to see somebody have that decision, I don't think is right. Right. Now, thanks, Nicole. And again, it, it might not be the right decision for everybody. And, and just because there's something that's out there, you know, the, the doctors might say, well, you know, there is this drug that's out there and it's going through these FDA trials, but, you know, th- there's no evidence. We don't think it's going to make any sort of difference. And I, and I understand that. And I also get that there's issues that you've raised about, well, what if what if the insurance company won't pay for it? Or and I'm not arguing that you know every time this happens, the insurance company should be required to pay for that stuff, and and that might make it prohibitive and put it out of the reach of some people. I'm just saying for anybody who's ever been through this with somebody who's had a terminal illness, when you get that diagnosis saying this is it, that this is it, you, you always want to say, isn't there anything else we can do? And if there really might be something else. Shouldn't that option be given to the patient and the patient's loved ones to, to try? Let's talk to Steve and Racine. Steve, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. What do you think? Uh, I say go for it. I was in a wreck two years ago and hit my head, and they thought I was going to die. I flew me a freighter, and they had a trial drug. The wife said, go ahead, give it to him. And five days later, I was walking to the hospital. Well, well. Uh, they said, uh... They didn't know if I was going to be normal again. The brain damage was so bad that... But it worked. It worked great. I was out of hospital in five days. Yeah, right. Now, that was probably, I mean, look, I also, you were probably, this is like this clinical drug. It was probably further along in the FDA process, so you qualified for it. Now, thank, and that's, I, I guess, I, I guess that's the thing. I just look at this, and to me, it's like, what what is there to lose? What is really the downside? And again, I appreciate that you don't want to screw up the, the FDA's testing, and you don't, I mean, and maybe there's, I think some of the concern is, in, in this hope for the Hail Mary, you know, maybe they give it to patients that aren't really the best suited for it. So the, the failure rate might influence clinical trials. Okay, we, again, exempt the people who get it under right to try. Don't, don't even include them in the cl- clinical trials because you understand that's going to be the, the Hail Mary type of thing. But really, what, what, is the, what is the downside? This legislation, like I say, I can't tell if it's conservative or liberal. Um, but it has support from some of the most conservative and some of the most liberal uh, people in the legislature. I just think it's worth it's worth a try. And is it going to change much? I, I don't know. But if this is one situation where it does give hope or it prolongs, you know, somebody's life for a while and you find some drug that, again, turns out to be the magic bullet, you know, why why not? I mean, just. Just take it. What What's the real downside? I think this legislation might pass in Wisconsin, and I'm pretty sure it's going to pass in the uh, federal government. It is 1126. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1135. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jay Sorge, giving me the giving me the cue. That means we are up on Facebook Live. If you go to, uh, let's see, if you go to WTMJ.com, if you go to Facebook slash 620 WTMJ, you will be able to watch this segment and see our brand spanking great studio here. And today I'm actually I'm like a collar shirt. Today it's not a sweatshirt. Today it was just a, a Mr. Rogers sweater and shirt. Um, we do this, this segment every time on Thursdays. It's a time to kind of put away the heavy lifting and you know talk about some stuff that's going to have a little bit of fun. I call it Pop Culture Corner. Some weeks we talk about cars. I think that was last week. Lots of times we talk about food, sometimes TV, sometimes books, uh, sometimes sports. But one of the things that's always my favorite thing to discuss is is movies. And it's amazing how this stuff sneaks up on you. Uh, this weekend is the Academy Awards, the, the Oscars. 
Now, I'm not going to talk about Oscars 2017 because if you're like me, you probably haven't seen a lot of the movies that are nominated. I just, I, I, I will over time see a lot of them, but I just haven't seen that many current movies. A lot of times I wait till they come out on the, one of the pay-per-view services or DVDs or something like that. But as you may know, I am an enormous movie fan. And what happens is, in the month leading up to the Oscars, a lot of the the stations, for example, Turner Classic Movies, TCM being one of them, I mean, they devote lots and lots of programming to showing movies that have won Oscars. And that always gets me thinking about really, really good movies. And it doesn't have to be, there's a lot of good movies that, for example, haven't won Oscars. Sometimes you wonder, you know, why certain choices were made. But this week we're going to talk movies. And in honor of the Oscars, I want to ask you a very simple, yet I think perhaps difficult question. Think about the universe of films that you have seen. Comedies, musicals, dramas, whatever. The universe of movies. What's the best movie you ever saw? 414-799-1620 is the number. What is the best movie you ever saw? Your all-time favorite movie. It could be an action movie. It could be a comedy. It could be a drama. could be a musical. doesn't matter. Your all-time favorite movie. In your opinion, the best movie ever. And again, you know, maybe it's a silly movie. Maybe it's a comedy and you're going, oh, I don't know, I'm afraid. It doesn't matter. Best movie ever. And you can define best however you want. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage toll-free talk line. Also, you can participate, play along. We're broadcasting and live streaming on our Facebook Live page, facebook.com backslash 620 WTMJ. In honor of the Oscars, the best movie ever. My advice, as always, is the phone lines tend to jam up, so call early. And don't overthink this. Typically, it works best if you just go with what comes into your mind first. All right, we are back to discuss. Again, you can follow us on Facebook Live as well and participate. 414-799-1620 is the number. In honor of the Oscars, the best movie ever. We discuss next. It's 1139, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1142, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Oscars are coming up this weekend. Pop Culture Corner this week. What's the best movie ever? Our Facebook Live is exploding. You can watch this, uh, facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. Let's see, Sean writes The Big Lebowski. <laughs> hey, dude. Uh, Bill writes The Godfather Trilogy. Jan says When Harry Met Sally. Uh, let's see, uh, Apollo 13. Number of others. 414, and you can follow along and play on uh Facebook uh, Live as well. 414-799-1620. Brian in Milwaukee. Brian, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling. You were the first to get through. Okay, b- the best movie ever. My favorite movie is The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, sure. Yeah, it's just a, it's a great story, entertaining. Morgan, Anything with Morgan Freeman I like, but uh, I just every time it's on <laughs> or I see it's on, it ends up on the TV and and it seems I, like it's on a lot, but you know that's a movie I never get tired of watching. 
Yeah, me neither. My wife cannot stand uh, <laughs> ten movies and a few others that yeah. she just rolls her eyes. No, but I it, no, but I, I've seen it a million times, or I, I, I've probably seen it at least fifty times, and and I, I still like it. I think it's well done. Brenda writes on Facebook uh, Live: uh, Legends of the Fall. Patty likes Meet Me in St. Louis. Judy Garland. Bill says The Ten Commandments. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Nathan says Roadhouse. Ah. That's there you go. Let's talk to Tom in Waukesha. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. I'm gonna run with um Casablanca and the reason is it is so many things at once. Yep. It's a great drama, it's a great romance, it's it's comedic, it's it's a great war film. Right. It's so many things at once. It's just a fantastic film. I don't think there's ever been one done better. Plus Ingrid Bergman. Can't go wrong with a young Ingrid Ber- Ingrid Bergman. <laughs> Probably <laughs> Probably the most beautiful woman who's ever been in Hollywood. I mean, yeah, no, maybe. Thanks, and and it's got Bogart. I mean, I um, Casablanca might be my top one too. I mean, I I just I remember the first time I saw it when I was in high school, and I've never gotten tired of it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dan in Germantown. Dan, good morning. You're at six twenty WTMJ. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, Jeff. sir. Uh, Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. Maybe I mean, the best. Maybe watch. the best western ever done. Absolutely. Yeah. The characters they build in that movie and just the way that they're trying to do the right thing but can't always do it, you know, it's it's phenomenal. Well also it's it's a it's a it's a movie that you really captures what the West was probably like. You know, it's not one of these romanticized things. You you get to see the, the dirt and the mud and how gritty it probably was. Exactly. No, thank no the unforgiven can't go wrong with that. Let's talk to Ron in Sheboygan. Ron, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Your be- your favorite movie, best of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That did you like? You, I assume you like that better than the other two that they. Or actually, now they've done three. Was Raiders the best? The original was better, I think. Yeah, I I agree. I remember the first time I saw that in the theater, and I thought I thought it was a near perfect movie. I mean, I you know Karen Allen, who um, you know I, I've always had a crush on, and uh, and of course you know Harrison Ford. It was just great. No, thank you. Can't thank you. Can't go wrong with Raiders. No question about it. Let's talk to Gary in Oconomowoc. Gary, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, best movie of all time. Best movie ever. In my book, The Departed. Really? Tell me why. Matt Damon, of course, the Martin Scorsese yeah. movie, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Every everyone's in it, and every time you think it's over, something crazy happens. It's just a movie that you just stay glued to. Yeah. Yeah, Martin Sheen, um, just... Uh, Mark Wahlberg. Right, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah, Matt Damon. I mean, it's a, that was one, I tell you, the first time I saw it, I, I didn't necessarily like it, but that's one that it's, it's grown on me over time because there's just a lot of stuff going on, and, and it's, yeah, all, it's all fascinating. No, th- thanks for your call. It was, and, and the woman who, this is how my mind works, I, I was actually watching it not that long ago, and I was trying to figure out who the woman that plays the, the love interest for Matt Damon is, and it's Vera, and her name starts with an F, and she was, she was in Up in the Air with uh, the, the movie about firing people with Anna Kendrick and George Clooney. I thought, oh, that's where I recognize her from. Let's talk to Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on 620 WTMJ. I'm going to say Cannery Road. Uh, Nick which... Nolte and Deborah Winger. <laughs> um, I love the book. That's an interesting choice because a lot of, I, you know, that, that was not that critically well received. Why do you like that movie so much? Well, it just got a good storyline. That one guy gets hit with that baseball, the seer. Right. And then they got all them frogs. I mean, the whole <laughs> storyline is just great. Yeah. 
It is. I mean, thanks for. I mean, I, I'm a big John Steinbeck fan. Matter of fact, um, on our on our Facebook page, a couple of people are talking about the Grapes of Wrath, um, which is you know with Henry Fonda, a tremendous movie as well. Um, you know, Cannery Row was always kind of viewed as one of Steinbeck's lesser books. Um, I. I like Nick Nolte. I actually like Deborah Winger as well, and it's it's a good it, it's a good movie. It's a fun movie, certainly to watch. Gregory in Bayview. Gregory, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks Gregory. for taking my call. Sure. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's with Aston Kutcher, right? No, that's no? with Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Okay, all right. Okay. Charlie Kaufman wrote the script. It's just a brilliant movie. It, you don't know exactly how it's going to end, and it just I don't know. It, it just Jim Carrey should have won an Oscar for it, but I know he gets snubbed from all the comedy things. Right from the from the sillier stuff. Okay, thanks for call. I, I I know I've seen it. I was, I I know I've seen it. It's just I'm having trouble placing it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Mike in Waukesha. Mike, you're at six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I got two. One from my generation, which would be I'm thirty four years old. I uh, would be. Uh, the Breakfast Club. Oh, the ultimate Brat Pack movie. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great characters. I think anybody can identify with at least one of those characters. And maybe more. Anybody that went to high school can identify with exactly. lots of those people and that then, are in high school. Yeah. And then of the 20th century, I mean, of all time, cinematography, powerful characters, To Kill a Mockingbird. Gregory Peck yeah. just kills it. Absolutely uh, he, kills it. He, he, I mean, a great book. And thanks for calling. I mean, a lot of times when you have a great book, it's tough to make it into a, a great movie. I'll give you an example. Prince of Tides. Um, one of my very favorite books by uh, Pat Pat Conroy. I thought the movie just sucked. Nick Nolte, Barbara Streisand, she turned it into a star vehicle for her. But I mean, I, I loved the book, and I was just so disappointed. I mean, To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, my my goodness, you know, you look at you, you look at they took that great book, and what a great job that they did. Um, Lawrence of Arabia. That, I was, I'm a big fan of Lawrence. When you start talking about cinematography, I just thought that was just such an incredible picture as well. Greg in Greenfield. Greg, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hey, great topic. Thank you. Uh, I may be aging myself yeah. here, but I am a Dr. Zhivago fan. Oh, okay. Uh, that's another just really amazing, the, the way that movie is filmed. Omar Sharif, it just, it's incredibly oh, picturesque. I'm still in love with Julie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Julie Christie, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, I have, uh, I'm... I, I'm with you there. I had, I I definitely had a boy crush that grew into a man crush on Julie Christie. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Thanks. For, no, no question about it. I remember um, uh, she was with um, in McCabe and Mrs. Miller with Warren Beatty and, and lots of lots of stuff. Um, Facebook Live. Let's see. Michael says Braveheart can't go wrong with that. Christine says Young Frankenstein. Yeah, if you're going to go with the comedy, sure. Jenny writes um, Dances with Wolves. Mike writes Goodfellas. Yeah, I like. If I were to pick one Scorsese flick, I think uh, I do not think I like Goodfellas better than I like The Departed. But I understand why people might disagree on that. Uh, let's see four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number. Dave in uh, Racine. Dave, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Greetings. Hi. Uh, my thought is Apollo thirteen, a mm-hmm. historical drama that is actually accurate yep. and done so well that even though you know how it ends. You're still, you know, it's still, you know, holding on and, you know, to see what happens because it, there's a, done so suspensefully. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, it's a couple years ago, James Lovell was speaking at this event that was for like Navy Week, and I, I was the MC and I had a chance to, you know, talk to him. James Lovell, of course, was the the guy who was from from. You know, Wisconsin from Milwaukee, who was the the pilot there, and I asked him whether or not the the thing was accurate. He said, you know, it, it was just 
it was dead on accurate. And you're right. I'll tell you a recent movie I saw that reminded me of Apollo 13 was the movie Hidden Figures, which is about, again, the early stages of the space program and these three African-American women and, and women who were just brilliant and the struggles they had getting accepted. And it, it's another movie where even though you know how it turns out, you know that John Glenn, when he circles the Earth, when he orbits the Earth, isn't going to die in a fireball. You know how it turns out, but it's still an incredibly gripping, fascinating movie. So I love Apollo 13. I, I also highly recommend um, Hidden Figures um, if you have a chance to see it. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, we'll go to uh, Mike in Muskego. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Yeah, it's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, listen, yeah, ten, the Ten Commandments. I mean, when you've got uh, Ewell Brenner, Charleston Heston, two of the greatest actors of all time, and then also... Uh, Cecil B. DeMille, who right. I think made some of the greatest movies of all time. I right. mean, that's a great combination. Um, no, and, and of course, you know, they show that every year. Susan writes on Facebook Live, The Sting. I saw that a couple, I, rem, I, I mean, I remember when I saw it in the theater, Robert Redford, Paul Newman, what, what a good movie it was, and how I just had no clue as to how it was going to turn out. I, I watched it again a couple weeks ago. I thought that was great. Cody writes, Beverly Hills Cop. Um, Mark writes, Tombstone. That's kind of an interesting one as well. Let's talk to... Uh, Let's see. We've got uh, Kurt in Whitefish Bay. You're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, someone had called earlier. I like Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. I've uh-huh. seen that five times when I was nine. <laughs> and I just love that. And so, because that that individual said that, I guess the closest one next to that would be probably Forrest Gump, because I also went to see that five times. Yes. But, but, Right, Forrest Gump, thanks for the call. Forrest Gump is another one of those movies that, first time I saw it, Honestly, I don't think I got it. I thought it was a little bit dumb, but I, I, the more I see it, the more how I really appreciate what, what a good movie that is. And, you know, Robin Wright, oh man, you can't go wrong with that. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I, I've had, in addition to Julie Christie, I've had a crush on Karen Allen, who plays the love interest in the first Raiders, and then they bring her back in the fourth. But she was the, and she was, of course, if you don't know who Karen Allen is, she was also the, the gal in Animal House. Huh. Oh. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, interesting, Lori in Menominee Falls. Lori, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Best movie ever? Uh, definitely Sophie's Choice, um, and I actually named my son Nathan. Really? Yep. That I. That's another movie... Um, okay, Meryl Streep has gotten really, really political over the years, but she is tremendous in that movie. Amazing. She and it, that was a movie. Did you know how that turned out? I mean, were you familiar with the story or the book before you saw no, it? No, I had not. Was not. Me neither. I, I, and it just like when you find out what Sophie's choice really is, you go, yeah. "Oh my goodness!" Right. Yeah. No, that's goosebumps. Yeah. Today. I, I, yeah. Thanks for I, I highly recommend it. Okay, we're kind of up against the clock. Let me see. Um, Facebook Live. Shane says Godfather movies. Couple for Car for Forrest Gump. Gone with the Wind. Definitely. Uh, Rick says Bullet. Lilies of the Field. The Great Escape. Shawshank Redemption. Mad, 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 Mad World. Um, Lonesome Dove. That's a TV miniseries, but that's outstanding as well. In any event. Um, you can check out our Facebook Live. The conversation continues there. You can watch or rebroadcast, and you can see what people are saying. You can still participate and put your different suggestions and react. That's one of the fun things about Facebook Live. All right. Uh, me, if I had to pick one, it might be Casablanca. Um, it, it just might. I, let me give you a recent one that I love. I'm not sure I'd say it was the best movie of all time, but I love Almost Famous by Cameron Crowe. Um, it's just 
for, for some reason, I just I, that's one that I never stop watching. It's 11.55. We'll find out what's coming up on WTMJ today in just a couple of minutes. Please stick around. 11.58, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMJ. A little bit late, Eric Bilstadt, WTMJ Today. What do you got on the agenda? Holy cow, there is a lot going on today, Jeff. Of course, in Madison, Tony Robinson's family settles with the city and Madison police irate over this. Tony Robinson, be. the African-American man who shot $3.35 million dollars for a guy high on drugs who attacks a police officer in a stairwell mm-hmm. as the police officer is responding to a call. Justified shooting, no charges, insurance company settles for $3.35 million. The police chief wanted this to go to trial, was demanding it go to trial because they knew they would be able to make their case and show to the world what they already know, and not going to happen now. So we're going to start with that, but there is a lot on the plate today, so we'll get to it all. Stick around. WTMJ Today coming up with Eric Bilstadt. I am out of time. I'm back 8.30 tomorrow morning when we do this all again. Looking forward to seeing everybody in Waukesha at the big Boy Scout thing tonight. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Have a great Thursday.